Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and once again, we are asking you to take this time that we have set aside for your worship. Help us to remember that it is to you we sing these songs. It is to you that we dedicate our lives. We pray that the preaching of your word would be able to touch and change each heart that is here today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to have the children come at this time and sing a song. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ruth again, and we'll be touching on just a few verses here. We've done something a little different this morning. We're going to be doing the Sunday school lesson and the sermon out of the same uh, basic text here, the life of Ruth. The theme of this morning's sermon is God's redeeming love. And by the word redeem, we simply mean the buying back. God has redeemed us, the Bible tells us. He has bought us back. It's not because we didn't already belong to Him. We are His creation. We are created in the image of God. But our sins, our disobedience to God's law has separated us from the love of God. And God, in His great love has found a way to redeem us, to bring us back to Him. And the story of Ruth is one of the greatest pictures in the Bible. Now, the book of Ruth is not a fable. It was not written so that we could look at the book of Ruth and find these great truths illustrated here. The book of Ruth is an actual account of actual people's lives, and yet in the living of their lives... We can see God's love and what He does for those who are willing to serve Him. Now, the first point I want us to make in the life of Ruth is that she left everything that she knew. She married a foreign family. She married into the family of Elimelech. She married one of his sons and... She would then have separated herself somewhat from the land of Moab. But, you know, a lot of people aren't too concerned about all of those things. Uh, And so, though she separated a little bit, she still had not left everything she was and everything that she had known. Uh, It's hard to believe that. Naomi and Elimelech, having believed the word of God and following the word of God, would have let their sons and uh, marry women and involve themselves in the false worship of the land of Moab. And so we don't believe that, uh, uh, that Ruth was really partaking of all of the things that were part of her culture. But there came a point where Naomi decided to go back. And Naomi did everything, if you were here in Sunday school, we spent time on this, did everything she could to discourage Ruth from going back to the land of Israel. And let's just read Ruth's testimony there. It is just so beautiful. Verse 16 of chapter 1. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. 
Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she, Naomi, saw that she, Ruth, was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Ruth left everything that she knew. She made plans. She said, I'm going. I'm going to live where you live. I'm going to be where you be. Your people are going to be my people. I'm going to lose my identity. Uh, I don't care that I ever return. In fact, where you die, that's the land where I'm going to die. And that's where I'm going to be buried. There's not going to be any remembrance. There's not going to be any connection between Ruth the Moabitess and the land of Moab anymore other than what people call me from where I've come. And she did not have what we would call a good life in the land of Israel. We talked about how that she would work in the field every day. And and there were months upon months that she just went and labored for seeming very little. And yet, Naomi knew that she was getting much more than the average person would. We see here in Ruth a picture of the unsaved person living in the world, do we not? Moab was not the promised land. Moab was a foreign land. It was a land of false religion. And here we have Ruth growing up and and being a part of this and not knowing anything any better. Is that not the way many people grow up right here in New York? Not knowing God's love, not knowing anything about the truth of the gospel, even in this quote-unquote Christian land, you can grow up and not know the name of Jesus any more than any other curse word that is used. Uh, know that he was just some great guy. And yet, we know that Ruth had to have something in her that would cause her to marry into a foreign family, a family of a different religion, of different culture. But she wasn't married very long, no more than ten years according to the Bible. And she died without a child and her husband died and and that was the end of it. And she was left there living with her mother-in-law. But this is where you have to find yourself if you're ever going to find Jesus Christ as your Savior. We live in the world. Those of you that grew up in the world and got saved later in life, did you find any satisfaction in the things of this world? Was there any peace in the religion, in the doing what you were supposed to do? Did you know that there was any hope of heaven, any security? I tell you, there is none in this world. But simply turning your back on the world, Simply wanting something more is not salvation. That's the first step. Amen. How many of you remember the story of the rich young ruler from Mark chapter 10? He said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, keep the law. He said, well, I've done that. 
said, what do I lack? And Jesus said, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. The Bible says he went away sorrowful. Not because you have to give everything away to the poor to follow Jesus. But you have to give everything up in your heart to follow Jesus. That man's heart was entwined with the things he possessed. He couldn't leave what he possessed for Jesus. I want to challenge you. Read the story of Ruth this afternoon. She left it all. And she made plans that she would never, ever go back. When you leave the world, it's not an optional thing. It's not temporary. It's not something you can do for the next ten years and decide, well, that's long enough. Now I'm going to go back and try to be a part of what I once once was before. The Bible tells us, That when we choose to follow Jesus, we leave the world. That's what Ruth did, did she not? She knew, by all practical purposes, her mother-in-law had warned her. Read the rest of the first chapter as we did in, in our Sunday school time this morning. She said, listen, there's no hope for you if you follow me. There's not going to be any more... Children, there's not going to be any more family. She says, I don't have any hope of having a husband. There's no one that's going to pay my bills. We're going to live in poverty, Ruth. Do you understand that? And Ruth said, I'm following no matter what. I've met a lot of people that want to serve the Lord so far. Well, you know, I'll, I'll give up everything to serve Jesus, but, but you know, you've got to pay my bills. Well, I, I want to challenge you. God, is, God believes in paying bills. But if that's your goal, you can't have God. But, but I want to live a good life. I wish I had a dollar for every person that had told me that over the years. I want to live a good life. If you don't want to live a good life, set up some counseling or something. I mean, you've got real problems. If you want to be miserable, there's something wrong with you. But the problem is you have to define what good is. You can have a good life as far as the world is concerned. Money in the bank and nice house and car and possessions and all the things that you want. But, but I'll tell you, you have a good life as far as the Bible is concerned. And it will last you all eternity. I know no greater heartbreak than to watch children grow up in your home and then turn their back on the Lord Jesus Christ and the things of God's Word. There's no greater sorrow in my heart as a pastor as I watch people make choices that I know are against the Word of God. 
Sometimes I just wish I could go over and grab him by the shoulders and say, Don't you know what you're doing? But that's against the law, number one. Number two, it doesn't do any good. Because when a person makes up their mind in their heart they're going to do something, you can beat them half to death with the Bible. It's not going to make any choice, any difference. The decision's got to be made of your own free will in your heart. You know, they, they, the people who are against the Bible and against morality, they, they sit there and they, want to call, they call us Bible thumpers and hate mongers and all of these things. But let me ask you a question. you ever crossed swords? Uh, and by that I mean, have you ever crossed the path of someone who just hated the Bible and morality and everything that was in God's Word? I mean, they're the most hate-filled people in the, on the planet Earth. They always have something mean and cutting to say, and they always accuse you of saying, you want to control every bit of my life. You want to tell me what to do and, and what is moral and what is immoral and what, what I can think. And you want to control me. No, I don't want to control anything, my friend. We're talking about that good life. That good life comes through obedience to God's Word. God calls sin, sin for a reason. Because sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin will destroy your life. And I don't care what sin it is. But sin always brings forth destruction. I don't think Ruth knew everything that she was leaving when she left the world. I don't think she understood everything that was waiting for her as she left the land of Moab to go into the land of Israel. But she knew one thing, no matter what was there, that's what she wanted. And no matter what was home, that's what she didn't want. You see, that's leaving the world. We have a new religion out there today. It's called Christianity. It meets in Christian churches. But it's a place where people are made to feel comfortable just as they are. I've been told several times, Pastor, if you would only do a little more to make us feel comfortable when we come to church, it it would just be a better church. You'd have more people. I said, you know, the Word of God isn't here to make you feel comfortable on your way to hell. That's, That's a sad thought to me. And yet, if you're here today without the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not on your way to heaven. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to make you uncomfortable. I would pray that you would feel the convicting hand of Almighty God touching your soul, saying, things need to change. And let me tell you something, you cannot come to God until you're willing to leave the world. If there's something in that world that's holding you, It will keep you from believing in God. That's why we don't want the world in the church. We don't go down to the nightclub and get a blues musician to come in and be our song leader. I've talked to Baptist churches where that's happened. In the bars on Friday and Saturday night, making a little extra money in church on Sunday morning, playing the same music, just different words. 
We want people to feel comfortable, they say. No. Look at the story of Ruth. It was not comfortable for her to leave the world. Her own mother-in-law, the only place that she should have found encouragement was telling her, your sister-in-law's gone back to her God. She's gone back to her family. She's going to find a husband. She's going to have a good life. What kind of life are you going to have with me? But see, Ruth wasn't interested in life. She was interested in God. And I've said this so many times, I feel just being absolutely repetitious, but I'm not going to stop repeating this. Unless you come to God because He is God, you will not know the God of the Bible. The Bible says, For without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, number one, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Yes, there is a reward in following God. But until you come to the point in your life where you understand there is no other place to go, there is nothing that I can hold on to, there's nothing that I can offer, all I can do is go. Until I'm ready to leave the world, I will never find the God of this book called the Bible. I like the story they tell. I don't know if it's true or not. Just an old story from years and years ago. The preacher was preaching on giving your all to God, on leaving the world and giving your heart. And they were taking the offering after the sermon. And the little boy went up to the usher and tugged on his coat. He says, can you put the offering plate on the floor? And the usher looked at him and said, son, we're we're taking an offering. People are waiting. And he tried to move on. The little boy followed him, grabbed his coat and said, can you put the offering plate on the floor? Please, mister, it's important. And so, in order not to make a scene, he took the offering plate and laid it on the floor. And the little boy promptly stepped into the offering plate. He said, I want to give my all. If it were that simple, we'd just get a big offering plate. Amen? But you see, God's not interested in just something we do on Sunday. When Ruth left the world, it was permanent. She was no longer going to dress like the world. She was no longer going to think like the world. She was no longer going to do anything except... What Naomi told her, and Naomi wasn't given her much information through the first two and a half chapters of the book of Ruth. But I want us to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 23 for a moment. And I want us to understand something, that just leaving the world and wanting to turn our back on the things of the world, any sane person, any sane person could see that marriage is better than immorality and just living with another human being. Any, any sane person could see that giving your life for something bigger than just getting what you can and canning what you get, just getting what you can for yourself, living for yourself, it is much better to live for others than it is to live for yourself. That is illustrated in the American military every day as these men and women give their lives 
so that we can have safety here. Any person that has the least bit of sanity knows that it's better to live for others than to just be selfish and live for yourself. Any person that has the least bit of understanding, I don't know anything more foolish you can do, young ladies, than live with a boyfriend. There is nothing more foolish. You give up everything and get absolutely nothing in return. But it happens. Because that's all the world has to offer. If there's not a wedding ring involved, if there's not a lifelong commitment, it's not worth it, my friend. Trust me. Trust God's Word. But... Many unsafe people do the right thing with all of these things. Leaving the world is not enough. I want you to understand that the biggest obstacle that Ruth had had nothing to do with the fact that she wanted, she was attached to the world and to the Moabite people. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 3, if you would. Deuteronomy 23, verse 3. It says, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. I want to challenge you that Ruth's biggest obstacle was a curse in the law of God upon her people because of decisions that her people had made to be obstinate and stand in, in, in the way of and curse the children of God. That's why Balak hired Balaam. That's why Eglon subjugated the children of Israel at different times. There was a curse that was in the law of God. The Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of Israel to ten generations. And I dare say that there are very few people that can trace their family back ten generations. I can go back four. And that takes me to the year 1795 in the land of France where my great-great-great-grandfather was born. Other than that, I can't go any farther back. And what difference does it make? Ten generations. Think about that. But then it is qualified. That is a what we call an hyperbole. It says, ten generations know not... It says... It says Unto their tenth generation shall they not enter the congregation of the Lord. What does it, those last two words, forever. You're never allowed to be part of the children of Israel. Well, how did Ruth get around that? Well, if you read the commentaries, they'll tell you, well, it says an Ammonite or a Moabite. That's only referring to the men. The ladies were allowed to marry in, but the men were not. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says God's no respecter of persons. In fact, you read the New Testament. It was not so much the uh, Israelitish women marrying foreign men. It was the Israelite men marrying foreign women that caused all the problems in the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy there. Ruth had to overcome the curse. Now, let me explain something, and this will help us understand the curse that was upon the Moabite people. 
How many sins can God let into heaven? Could he let one in? Not one. I see some heads going like this. We live in a messed up world, don't we? How many sins did this world start with to get messed up? One, but one led to two, and two led to three. And God cannot allow even one sin to enter into heaven, not one. The Bible says both Old and New Testament, there is none righteous, no, not one. Our iniquities, our sins have separated between us and God. And I want to challenge you today. The curse of sin in your life is greater than the curse of being a Moabite was in Ruth's life. You cannot have fellowship with God and have sin in your life. And yet, let's just take a moment this morning. Can we just do this for... uh, Honesty's sake, how many of us are sinners? You better not keep your hand down. You'll be committing another one. It's called lying. We're all sinners. We are under a curse that separates us from the holiness of God. That's what that verse means. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For someone to say, well, I'm good enough that God will have to accept me as I am. You're saying that you're as good as God. I don't know any honest person that would make that statement. I know many deranged people that have. Does anybody remember the wacko from Waco? David Koresh? He couldn't figure out whether he was actually God in the flesh or just his messenger. He couldn't figure out whether he was Jesus or John the Baptist. He was having a problem. I could have solved that problem real easy for him. I just opened the Bible and say, you're not either. So stop worrying about it, buddy. You've got as much sin as any other human being does. You're under a curse. But I want you to turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. We'll get to how Ruth got past the curse in just a minute, but let's look at what Jesus did for us. Verse 13 of Galatians chapter 3, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. Jesus overcame the curse for you and I by allowing Himself to be made a curse in our place. He took upon Him in one day the punishment that would take you an eternity in hell to take care of. The greatest suffering, and I don't know if it's even available, I hope it isn't. I I get so sick of that movie called The Passion of the Christ and people reading it and saying, now I understand what Jesus did. And You have no clue as to what Jesus did. It's not in that movie. 
has nothing to do with that movie. The greatest suffering that Jesus suffered was when He took upon Him the punishment and the guilt for every human being that's ever lived. He took all of our judgment. Jesus did not become a sinner. He could not become a sinner. But God took upon Him the unmitigated wrath of God and poured it out upon His soul that day. That's why He cried out, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? You think the Roman whip could inflict that kind of punishment upon our Savior? You're silly if you do. Do you think Jesus was scared to die on the cross? No, He told His disciples, This is a reason why I've come. Get out of My way. I'm going to the cross. You see, that's God's redeeming love. How did Ruth get around the curse? You read the book of Ruth. Boaz said, wait a minute. You can't enter the congregation as a Moabite. But the law makes another provision that the wife of the deceased should be married to carry on the seed. And he said, all my people, all the people of Israel know that you're a virtuous woman. They know what you have done in taking care of your mother-in-law. There is not one person that can object to your marriage into my family, even though that you're from the tribe of Moab. You see, it was not enough just to leave the world. It was the fact that Ruth had embraced the truths that were in these Scriptures with her entire life. And though she could not do many of the things that other people had done, she was willing to wait until her mother-in-law stepped in and offered her marriage as part of the promise to take care of Naomi. You see, God makes a way for anyone who is willing to trust Him to do that. But you've got to trust Him. You see, what do you think would have happened to Ruth if she had decided, Boaz is an old man. I might not get a son out of this deal. I'm going to have to find my own husband. Let me tell you, there wouldn't be a book of Ruth in the Bible. The world is out there to take advantage of anyone who wants to find God. Just turn on the TV. You want healing? Send your money to fill in the blank. You want a blessing? I remember coming into New York City late one night. This was years and years ago. Had a fellow on the radio saying... If you'll promise Brother Shambach to send half of your blessing to me, God will bless you. Good night. I mean, the snake oil salesman of old had nothing on these preachers today, let me tell you. God doesn't ask for that. God isn't in the gambling business. God says, listen, you lead the world. You come to me, I'll take care of the curse. Naomi took care of the curse for Ruth and opened the door for her to be married into the family that she was a member of and her husband carried on the lineage. God has opened the door for anyone 
who is cursed by sin to come to Jesus Christ because Jesus became the curse for you. But I want to read one other verse. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, And He said unto them all, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. Ruth had to live in the love that God gave her and be that wife to Boaz all the days of their life together. But I don't believe that that was a hardship on Ruth because she had already left the world behind. Amen? She understood her position and she was glad to have any position, let alone one as high and exalted as she had by being the wife of a man of mighty wealth, as the Bible calls him, called Boaz. He was the leader. He was the head of the family of the tribe that the king would come from. By the way, do you see the picture there of Jesus and his church? He says, I have, ex- I have a bride. My bride is the church. Those that live for me. And we can go from being cursed, read Revelation chapter 1, to being priests and kings unto the God of heaven. Why has He made us this way? Because it has pleased Him. It would have been a shame on Boaz's character to then marry other wives and treat Ruth as a secondary wife. There's no evidence that that happened in the Scripture. He had one wife that he treasured and elevated up to a position of greatness in the Jewish people and in their lineage that she was the great-grandmother of King David. How much higher can you get? And God has taken us from the curse of sin And made us accepted in the beloved. But He wants us to live in that love every day. But how do we do that? Well, Jesus just explained it. He said, you got to take up the cross daily and follow Me. He said, but how can that be love? How can taking up the cross daily be love? And and that doesn't sound like love. The, The cross was an instrument of death. But could I challenge you today? If you have a happy marriage, there's one reason why you do. It's because both husband and wife have ceased living for themselves and now live for each other. They have lost their life. And this is especially true of the woman in marriage. She gives up her name. She gives up her family history. She takes the name of her husband. She, she promises that she will go where he leads, that she will live on the salary that he provides. 
The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that the virtuous woman is the one that makes her husband prosperous, yet she chooses to live with him and under his direction. And I will tell you today that if you want the love of Jesus Christ, you've got to stop living your life and start living his. I don't want to be called by my name. I want to be called by his name. I don't want my life. Because I'll tell you what. I'm not smart enough to know how I should live and make my life's decisions. I'm old enough that my life's decisions have been made. And I'm so glad that Jesus is the one that made those decisions. I wouldn't trade my life for ten of my own choosing. I want His. You see, when I give up myself and my desires and my wishes, it opens the door for Him to provide His desires and His wishes and His blessings. And there's nothing in this world that compares to the blessings of Christ in your heart and in your life. There is nothing that is as wonderful as waking up in the morning knowing I'm where God wants me to be today. This is the picture of Ruth. Every day she would look around her. I don't deserve any of this. I'm a Moabite. I am not of any high family. I am not of anybody. But God has taken me and changed me and made me who He wants to be. And old Naomi got all of her bitterness cured. Because Ruth left it all. I'll tell you, we all have family, we all have friends that are in need of salvation. But until you're willing to leave this world, to allow Jesus to overcome the curse in your life, and live in His love every day, they're never going to see what Jesus has for you. I don't know what kept Ruth going other than the Holy Spirit of God working in her soul as her mother-in-law was all bitter and withdrawn and wouldn't even give her direction where to go to start the gleaning. But God was working. He took Ruth to the right field. He took her to the right man and she, He gave her uh, compassion in the eyes of Boaz because all she was doing was trying to provide for her mother-in-law. You get in this book. Jesus told the disciples, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's where it starts. But just leaving the world's not enough. Anybody to have any sense knows that what they offer in the nightclubs on Friday night doesn't last very long now, does it? But it says... Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. I'd rather pick up that cross every day and follow Jesus than to have all the riches and power this world has to offer. Because there's no peace there. There's no contentment there. 
There's no help there. But you pick up that cross and you lose your life in the Lord Jesus. He that loses his life shall what? Save it. And he that saveth his life shall lose it. You want to live your way. You're going to lose it. You leave the world. Understand Jesus has overcome the curse. And live in his love. And you will have a life. Ruth is a picture of that. If God would save Ruth the Moabitess, he'll save you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We ask that you would help each one here to look at their own life and what is going on in it. That we would understand that church is not just something we play on Sunday or do to feel good about things. But Lord, it's meant to be a daily relationship with the living God. We ask that you would do your work in the heart and life of each one here. Lord, if there are those that are unsaved, that today would be the day that they would leave the world and let Jesus remove the curse. Lord, we pray for those that have been saved and have gotten off track and gotten soured and bitter and just tangled up in the things of this world. We pray that they would understand that the only way to get out of the mess they're in is to start today by taking up that cross and dying to self. Letting Jesus carry the burden of the pains and suffering. Letting Jesus give life and joy and peace. Lord, we pray that we be able to live for you this week your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.